Hello and welcome to this special episode of Superhero Ethics. It is currently 3.06 a.m. Central Time, 1.06 Pacific Time. Paul and I have quite literally just finished watching episode 3 of Moon Knight, and we are here to talk about it. All that more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I hope you're enjoying that new theme music that is by... Villains Lament, uh, Paul's old band. There'll be more of that song at the end of this. Uh, there'll be more of that song at the end of this uh, episode, as well as a link to more information about it in the show notes. Paul, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Yeah, I've had a, a pretty fun day and capped it off watching episode three of Moon Knight, which I'm I'm still enjoying the series with very few reservations. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that way. I have um. My own version of a bit of the vegan thing that you had last time yeah. uh, that I'm going to want to bring up that we're going to get into, but there's so much good stuff. But I want to start with, I'm always asking folks for feedback. We're getting some good feedback from folks who are like, look, here's just stuff I want to share with you that we're kind of incorporating in. But here's someone who was totally fine with us reading it on air. Uh, this email comes from Jordan from California. Um, and she uh, lets us know she, her pronouns. Appreciate that. Uh, Jordan asks, what do you all think of the ethics behind one personality making the decision to join up with Khonshu without the consent of the other personality personalities? Hard to think that Steven, based on what I've seen through episode two, would agree to join Khonshu if it meant being violent and moving well beyond his scope of abilities. Again, as far as we've seen. Does your answer change depending on when the Steven personality was manifested? Thank you for your consideration. Love what you do here and Star Wars Universe podcasts. Have a great day. Um... That's the first time I've heard someone. I mean, it's it's a common saying, but like that's become kind of my tag phrase. So I love that. Like, thank you, Jordan, for echoing <laughs> that back. And um, yeah, that was a great question after episode two. But Jordan, clearly you are a prognosticator because I feel like, especially after episode three, we got a lot more depth to that question. So, Paul, take it away. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on how much the personalities know about one another. It seems that Mark has been aware of Stephen for some time, but that Stephen isn't hasn't necessarily been explicitly aware of Mark, but has been aware of something. Right. And, um, you know, I guess a lot of it depends on the context, broadly speaking, like, yeah, I think making major life decisions without consulting all of yourself sort of seems not great. Um, it's, you know, it's hard in terms of like knowing whether this is actually like disassociative identity disorder or whether it's something else that's specific to um, the, you know, what's going on with Khonshu as the avatar. I think it isn't right. connected to that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I'm and getting. I think this episode kind of pushed me towards that. I, what I've been wondering this whole time is, is this a situation where Khonshu, like this person named Steven had just been around for a while and then Khonshu had, like, created this Mark personality to be the Avatar. So it was a, you know, kind of supernatural thing that's mimicking a thing that we know is DID, but but actually isn't. Right. Um, last episode started to make me think that wasn't the case because Steven clearly had this whole, like, existing life. I'm sorry, Mark still had this whole existing life. And I think after this episode, again, it's not 100% clear, but it it, it, it feels more and more to me like, and I'm not, I don't think I'm using the proper terminology here. And I think I'm now going to commit to really trying to learn a lot more about DID. Now that I think we definitely are leaning in that direction. Um, but, but using the terminology as best I understand it, I, I think Mark is kind of the dominant personality and that Steven had been like occasionally manifesting, 
but that something has happened in the last couple of months that has caused Steven to like become a much bigger part of what's happening with this person. Um, so is that kind of your, your impression as well? I'm very unsure of that. I think, you know, when Mark said I had it under control until recently, I'm not sure if that means kind of he had like Steven locked up basically, or if that means that Steven was, was Steven most of the time. Right. But then Mm -hmm. Mark was kind of controlling when he was Mark in some way. Um, And also I think in this episode, it became clear that there is at least a third personality. Right. I guess for me, the thing that, and and Jordan, I promise we'll get to your question, but this is kind of setting the context of it. I think the thing that, that, that makes me lead in this direction is one thing that I do know about DID is that often it can be very difficult to like maintain different kinds of life, you know, maintain a life because, you know, how do you keep going to a job as one personality if then the other personality is going to manifest from time to time. And the idea that you could have Steven living a full life, getting a job, having people know him as Steven, going to the museum often enough to have a job, while you also have Mark manifesting enough that Layla can think can be married to him, and that they're sort of living parallel lives at the same time, that I find that very hard to believe. You know, and, and the way they set it up, it seemed that the impression I at least got was that, you know, a lot of these people had only really met Stephen in the last couple months. He, they talked about how he hadn't really had a job long before then and that Layla hadn't heard from him from a couple of months. So that that's why it kind of felt to me like mm. this was mostly Mark and Stephen maybe came out for an hour or two every now and then or a, maybe a day every now and then. But then something happened a couple of months ago. Stephen came out, was the dominant for a long time. And then now we're at this point where they're both kind of manifesting. Right. Yeah, that that makes some sense to me. Um, I do think that, I mean, first of all, the idea of sort of having these two parallel lives that here specifically, it it is about two distinct personalities. But I mean, that's kind of like the superhero theme for the most part, right? right? Is actually having this sort of, you know, I wouldn't say Stephen had a very full life from what we saw. Right. Well, but one of them's I mean, living in London, the other's living in Chicago. Right. Yeah. That's that's like, that's complicated. That alone. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. Um. So so yeah. It it seems like you know we don't know. I think how long Layla and Mark were together. So mm-hmm. maybe that was like six months or a year or five years or ten years. Like it's unclear, right? But um. Yeah. I I think your read is. I buy that. For the most part, you know, it doesn't feel like Steven's been working at the gift shop for a long time, right? Yeah. It feels like he's kind of like an entry level, uh, been there for a little while, but not a long time. And, you know, I mean, the security guard still doesn't know his name, although, you know, that can be just the security guard doesn't right. pay attention to people or specifically to Steven. But it's, um, yeah, it, it, I think I, I agree with what your take is i think that seems likely to me i guess i would say and i'll say it's likely based on what we know so far right it's very possible that and and so given that going back to the the original question i think that if steven was the dominant personality again i'm I'm hoping using the the proper terms i very well may not be i'm going to do some more research and should have done that beforehand you know i think for another personality to kind of um you know, make this decision. 
I, I feel like I don't know quite enough about DID to say, but it does it to me to my uneducated mind, it would feel like, yeah, it's very epically problematic to make that kind of um decision without sort of the full you know the consent of the council um a, a, as it were. The other thing that I'll say though, and again, this is pure conjecture on my part, but the, from the little bit I know, part of why it's now referred to as DID, Disassociative personality, disassociative identity disorder instead of multiple personality is because of exactly that. Because often it is meant, often what it is, is a a person who is going through trauma or something else like that and is disassociating from what they're experiencing so much so that it's almost like, oh no, it's, it's not me who's going through this. I'm this other identity. Mm. Um, and that's very subconscious and like the brain protecting itself, things like that. Um and I could easily, like, from what I understand of it, Stephen having this more and more difficult experience with Khonshu and have these horrible things happening, like, for Stephen to start to disassociate because of that, or he's disassociating for his own reason, for other things, but now it's becoming worse and worse because of how horrible this Khonshu thing is, that would fit the little bit I know of DID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so to me, I think it, it feels more like the decision to work with Conchu was, was not really consensual even by Mark, by any of the personalities, but it was it was sort of agreed to by Mark. It was before Stephen was as manifested as Stephen is now. Um, or during the it's a lot period of, of time but, when, when he wasn't. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that, that would be sort of my conjecture. But what, what, what's your thought on this, on, on the ethical question? Yeah, I, I feel like it's, to an extent, it's unanswerable because, I mean, for me... I feel like everything always depends on context and uh-huh. we just don't have the context here yet, right? Of when that decision right. was made. It seems that the decision was made under duress, but we don't mm-hmm. really know the exact circumstances of it, right? I mean, you know, you're saying it wasn't necessarily totally consensual decision by Mark, right? That that right. Mark was pressured into it in one way or another. I feel like it might have something to do with Layla and maybe the backstory with her father, um, you know, it's right. it's very unclear. It's it's very much a mystery at this point. And if it's unclear at the end of episode six, I'll be disappointed. But I'm perfectly happy with it being unclear for now, right? Yeah. It's like I, I like mysteries to mostly get revealed. You can you can leave some teasers for season two, sure. But yeah, um, you know, I I would like to have a more clear idea what's going on with with Stephen and Mark and whoever else is in there and um and sort of. What what actually happened to get Mark yeah. to decide, okay, I'm going to take this deal, you know, maybe for all of us, kind of. Right. Especially because the, the impression at least I have from, from conversations we heard in the first two episodes is it, it's not that Mark was like a perfect angel before uh, Khonshu came along. That Mark had been doing some really shady things, you know, kind of secret agenty something, and that may have been part of why he was starting to dissociate. Um, I think the possibility that Mark was involved in the murder of Layla's father certainly is a very good possibility. Seems quite possible. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, great question. And let, let's make sure we re- – I'm going to save this question, Jordan, and we'll revisit it at, when we get to the end of the show because I think it will help give us more perspective. For sure. So I have a small bone I want to pick. And, again, I, I'm going to give the show the possibility to correct this. Um, and it starts with – this is I learned an important thing about the show, and this isn't a spoiler, because I learned it through things that have actually happened in the show, but I only learned them because I watched a TikTok of someone who had freeze-framed them. Which is that what we have learned is that, on some level at least, 
uh, Mark, and I, I think I think both of them, but certainly uh, certainly Stephen is canonically Jewish. Mm. Um, they freeze framed that there is a, a mezuzah, which is um, in Hebrew scripture. There's a certain passage from the Torah that you're supposed to have like ingrained, you know, uh, inscribed upon your wall of your home, uh, the doorway of your home. And so you ever see like if you go into a Jewish home, there's often like right outside the doorway, a little thing bolted to the wall that has some Hebrew lettering on it. That's called a mezuzah. Um, we saw one of those as in the entryway to uh, Stephen's house. Uh, and there's also apparently a shot, uh, I forget which one of them, but wearing a Star of David. Now, so on the one hand, canonically Jewish character. Great. Pretty much the first, at least one of the first major ones, which is more significant in, in the MCU. Magneto is Marvel and is clearly Jewish and is becoming MCU in the future, but isn't yet. And we have had a couple of characters who were normally canonically Jewish not being made so, uh, Wanda Maximoff being the most prime example. Though Wanda's also Romani, and, which is being ignored. There's, there's a whole lot more with her Wanda's character. a lot of things in different takes, right, right on Wanda. Exactly. Like, exactly. But she's Magneto's daughter, in part. Sometimes. sometimes. Maybe. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yes. Like, but she's not the only one. There's a couple of other Jewish characters yeah. whose Jewishness has not been made clear. Kitty Pride, right, I think. Kitty Pride, yeah, I think, is another good one. So again, there's kind of the like, well, it's awesome that he's canonically Jewish, but if you have to freeze frame it to figure that out, mm. not quite representation as we would like to have it. Now, and it may well be that by episode six, we're going to get a lot more. Um, so I don't want to by any means be like throwing the show under the bus. I want to see what's going to happen. But here's the thing. In two days from now, um, Jews around the world, myself included, will begin celebrating the holiday of Pesach, of Passover, which is the holiday that celebrates the exodus, the Jewish people uh, escaping from slavery in Egypt. Um, now, obviously, it, that is a mythological story. Um, I'm not, I don't think it, it, I think it's been pretty clearly proven that it is not connected to any kind of historical fact that the Hebrew people were never there building the pyramids. But still, that's the story that's very connected to Judaism. And I've been wondering, like, it, it seems having a show about a Jewish character taking place during a major Jewish holiday, yeah, that's not the, that could be a coincidence. Having it that's all about a Jewish character dealing with ancient Egypt and kind of being enslaved to an ancient Egyptian god, <laughs> like, yeah, either yeah. it is not a coincidence or someone in the writer's room really was not willing to look at a calendar ever. Um, but I, I kind of figured this episode especially is when because especially this was the last episode before Passover, that we get something. Now, granted, Passover is an eight-day holiday, so the next episode will air during Passover. And I'm not saying it has to line up with that. You know, all these shows got moved around because of um, the calendar and COVID and stuff like that. But it's it's one more reason why it's sort of feeling to be like, okay, if you're going to make his Judaism a thing, there's a lot of tie-ins here we could talk about. So... Let's see if this comes up in some way. I, I feel like that's probably less of a writer's room issue and more of a producer's issue in terms mm -hmm. of like release schedule. That seems yeah. more like an executive producer thing. But yeah, that that is a, that's a little on the nose. And <laughs> uh, it, it certainly would be interesting if the episode that airs actually during Passover, right? Because we're still before it a couple of days. Yeah, it, it, it starts. Um, Jewish holidays always start at sundown. So it starts. Right. Uh, Friday night at sundown. Right. So, and then it'll go for eight days. So the next one will be on the third, uh, 
I'm bad at math. On one of the nights of Passover. Right. So so given that, then maybe that would be the episode that ideally would maybe actually actively address some some of this. Quite possibly, right? yeah. Um, possibly. I I wouldn't expect a lot. But, yeah. you know, but I, but it would be great. You know, it's it's interesting yeah. that I, I had no idea this was the direction you're going. I thought you were going to go um, with some of the mental health stuff direction, which mm. I think there's a lot to say about as well. But Definitely. yeah, I mean, I, it's it's funny because like the first Marvel movie that I think most people think of is the first X-Men movie, right? I mean, there was Blade right. before that. And I think there were some other things here and there. But, you know, the first X-Men movie starts like during the Holocaust, right? Right, With, yeah. I mean, in that one, Magneto's Jewishness is front and center, absolutely. Right, and it's so key to his character and, and sort of everything that happens um, and and then continues to be in, you know, uh, first class, right? When when they show a little bit more of, of you know, earlier times for, for Magneto. And, right. you know, then the MCU has just not had any specifically Jewish representation. I mean, there's any number of characters who might be Jewish, right, right. within the MCU. I, Dr. Erskine, the, okay. the, the German doctor, he, I believe, is Jewish. Okay. Um, I can't recall, but sounds right. Okay. Um. But yeah, it, it's there's just been very little representation in that regard, um, and so it, you know it'd be nice to see finally something right. something real, uh, you know, tangible. Um, but I guess I guess we'll have to wait. Yeah, exactly. So and, you know, kind of like what you were talking about veganism, it was just an interesting thing for me to to notice because I the, the the TikTok that I saw about it was just so fascinating. Where it's talking about like, yeah, it's great, it it's official, it's canon. But we had to freeze frame to find it. Yeah, so let's yeah. let's maybe let's hope it's not just that. Yeah, um, for sure. All right. So with those two kind of things kind of out of the way, let's dive into the episode itself. What did you think of this episode? I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was interesting that it kind of showed Mark not really wa- wanting to kill a bunch of people. You mm-hmm. know that it's it's not like Mark's just the like you know license to kill total sociopath like James Bond. Like, right. you know, he's like, well, he's just a kid. I don't want to, you know, and then, and then that was horrible. But like, you know, he's he's trying to fight without killing people until then. Then when it becomes like, all right, well, now we're really fighting for survival in a way where we feel really threatened. So I'm just going to kill all these people at the end of the episode. But um, but yeah, I, th- I think it it almost seems to me like maybe Mark, like if Mark is whatever you would call it, whether, whether you call the dominant personality or, or what, um, if let's just use that term and then we can both apologize profusely. Sure. Well, I'm not, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to apologize for not knowing something, but I will try to learn it going forward. (laughs) Um, but if Mark was kind of like originally this was Mark and then there was some trauma, then maybe there's like Steven who's kind of the rejection of that violence and maybe there's someone else who's like the full embracing of that violence. Yeah. You know, I think it's certainly possible. Um, I mean, it definitely seems like this episode positioned Mark more in the middle as opposed to as a polar opposite of Steven. Um, right. And I think that's a little interesting. And maybe that third personality isn't actually another personality. It's just Conchu straight up taking over the body and being like, I'm just going to do stuff myself. But right. um and it's especially interesting because I didn't even thought of this till you talked about it. But in the first episode, especially, 
Mark asks Mark fights Stephen to take control of the body, but we don't necessarily we, like. It is definitely, I think, especially in this, I'm getting some of it mixed up. Basically, I'm just saying, like, I think the way it was done leaves some possibility that it wasn't always Mark taking over. Those couple of times where Stephen kind of just blinks out right. and he comes back and he's surrounded by dead bodies. Yeah. Like, I think it might be this third, this potential third po- third personality. For sure. Yeah, yeah. We don't know because we didn't really get Mark's view on all of that happening. Right. We right. got Stephen's view. And then we met Mark, and so it was like, oh, that was probably Mark. But it's like, well, maybe not. Right. So what did you, this episode kind of, um, you know, the first two episodes we talked about how they were, om- oh, the first episode was almost, ex- was completely from Steven's perspective. This one, the second one, everything we saw was still something that Steven saw, even though sometimes it was when Steven was inside and Mark was the dominant. Yeah. Here, it, it seemed more like this was what Mark was seeing and Stephen was often there, but a couple times Stephen or someone else took over and Mark wasn't in control. What did you think of that kind of shift in, in, in point of view character? Um, so I do think actually everything we saw was Stephen, was things Stephen saw, basically, in this episode. Mm. Because I think Stephen's more, he's like a passenger now, as opposed to like right. a prisoner, Right. Right. And I feel like then when Steven takes over, Mark is in that position. Right. Whereas Mark's not like hidden away. Right. So I feel like yeah, they're kind okay, of yeah, you're right. you're mostly right. trading back and forth. And then there's these kind of total blackout periods where we don't get to see what happened. And it seems like neither of them get to see what happened. And they're like, oh, what did you do? And they're like, I didn't do it. What did you do? You know, because we've got Mark yelling at Steven because Mark clearly doesn't seem to know that there's a third um personality right right and so if there is which i i'm like basically certain there is unless that's just conju you know hijacking the body um mm-hmm. then it seems like mark and steven are both in the dark on that and we are still because we don't see it and i think there's an extent to which i mean here we saw things through mark's actions right mm-hmm. but i think we saw it the same way steven sees it in a way um, right. and actually I found when Steven came back at the end to take over, um, I don't know. I found it this very like soothing, like presence. Like it was like, it was like, oh, okay. You know? Yeah. And like, like we'd been kind of like along for a ride and then it's like, okay, now I don't know. I almost felt like more in control in some ways, you know, yeah. maybe just cause I, I relate more to, to Steven in some ways. <laughs> No, I think it's very true. I relate a lot more to Steven. I think we also just know a lot more about Steven. Sure, and I think yeah. I, at this point, feel like I know and I trust Steven's motivations. Mm, I mm-hmm. don't know Mark's motivations, which yeah. actually, yeah, I think it further further emphasizes what you're saying, that we are still seeing this through Steven's perspective. Yeah. It's just that it's Steven watching when Mark is in control. Mm-hmm. And so. I really enjoyed that they both saw Steven as useful and important, yeah. you know, as opposed to him just being like, you know, a nuisance who's like keeping Mark from being able to do Mark stuff. Right. You know, which wasn't the vibe in the first couple episodes. Especially, yeah, in all those times when they're in Egypt and they need someone who can actually talk about Egyptian stuff. um, It was really fun watching... Um, first of all, watching the way they were kind of going back and forth about the violence and, and not being okay with that. Um, and, but then also, especially that scene in the kind of, uh, with the rich, with the rich collector where like 
Mark clearly hates doing this, but he has to admit that he he won't let Stephen have control, but he'll let Stephen kind of tell him what to do and walk walk through him. Right, exactly. And, and there's something else that they're doing, which I'm curious if it happens in DID, because um, it does happen with Green Goblin, who again is not actual DID, but it's kind of close, which is the the reflection. Right. You know that that they can only really see they never actually see like a, a see a hallucination of each other. It's that when they see their reflection. It's often the reflection is the other personality. And I just think they're doing like with the knife blade, with the water, like they're just doing that so well. Absolutely. Yeah. All the other mirror play basically, I, I think was fantastic. Um, I, I have to just, again, just give Oscar Isaac credit for being okay. able to be these different people and, and to look so different without having a whole bunch of makeup and whatever. It's just like the way he holds himself is so different. You know, the oh, yeah. hairstyle a little differently, sure. But like like his face looks different. Um, yeah. And seeing him like go from one to another, you know, um, it's, just, it's just, I don't know. It's very impressive. It, it's incredible acting. It's incredible facial acting, which I'm really, really loving. And I, I think you're right. It's not much of the makeup, but I also really want to give heads up. I also really want to give props to the costume department. Mm, props to the yeah. costume department. Oops. Cause, and I wish Will was here to talk about it. Seeing the two different suits. Yeah. Seeing that they're clearly now going to commit to that is that when Steven's in the suit, it's going to look this way. And, and now we finally get to see the full real Moon Knight suit in action. We got to see it doing combat stuff. Yeah. I see the Batman connection. It's very Batman. Yeah. Um, well, there's one shot where he's jumping and his cloak or cape is like up in the air behind him. And it looks like a crescent moon. Uh-huh. And I was like, I feel like Will would be here saying that that was a shot right out of the comics. Um, oh, sure but it sure. also reminds me of, you know, the Batman 89 shot where he flies the bat wing up in front of the moon to like oh, yeah. give like a bat signal basically in front of the moon. Oh, and it's funny because you thought of that because what I noticed is that it, I think it's somewhat the wind, but it also felt like like the cape took a shape that it's meant to have. Yeah. And so it reminded me of Batman Begins where Lucius Fox helps him like kind of – Oh, yeah. The, the, the cloak is made of that like memory stuff that like can take this shape right. when electricity hits yeah. or something. So, yeah. Um. So let's get to some of the interesting questions here because – we're starting to develop more of kind of who are the different sides in this. We meet a lot more of the Egyptian gods um, through their avatars, but then they all kind of hold this court. And Khonshu kind of tries to put um, Emmett... Harrow. Harman. Harrow, Harrow, thank you. Tries to put Harrow on trial. He winds up kind of being put on trial. And, and as part of that, Mark slash um, Stephen's mental illness winds up being part of on trial. Um... And it was a really interesting scene to watch, especially because I felt like I want to get into the middle of the illness part in a second. But let me just start with they're doing the thing that I love, which is characters are having a moral argument. And I'm not sure who I agree with, hmm. which I just think is such good storytelling where, like, I know that we have seen all this reason that Harrow is wrong and Har- what Harrow wants to do is bad. But everything they said about Khonshu was like, yeah, that that's true. Um but at the same side, we were seeing Kanchu have more of a like altruistic motive than he has up to this point. So yeah, kind of what was your take on the whole scene? Yeah, so there was one line that I thought was amazing where when Harrow is defending himself and really defending himself by attacking Mark and Steven and Kanchu, right? And um, 
which I think was really messed up using mental illness to try to discredit someone, um, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm sure happens all the time in our world. Right. Yep. Um, but then when, when Kanshu or when Mark was like, look, he's trying to free Amit, right. And it's going to kill millions of people. And they're like, he has committed no offense. And that's the whole argument between Kanshu and Amit. Oh, you're right. right. Is that Harrow is like, sure, they haven't committed the offense yet, but we need to stop them from doing that. And here, the gods are kind of taking Kanshu's point of view of like, you're not supposed to do preemptive justice, right? He hasn't right. committed an offense yet. Whereas Harrow would punish himself for doing this if he thought it were a bad <laughs> thing. So it's like, it's this like paradox that I think it was kind of hilarious. And just like those exact words, I was like, oh, they got you, you know? <laughs> I think that's brilliant if it's intentional. I think it has to be. I, I hope it does because the thing is I'm not – I feel like the only way that that makes sense is if um, the council is also completely unaware of what Harrow has been doing mm-hmm. because, I mean, like, A, if I find you outside the bank casing out the bank with a whole bunch of safe-cracking tools – I, you know, attempted robbery is still a crime, even if robbery hasn't been committed. And Harrow did, like, lead his people to the tomb. Yeah. I'm kind of unsure why they then left all that. Like, I, I kind of want to get I think they're digging what... extensively, and it's going to take okay, a while, so he's, is my feeling. He's letting his people do that thing. Exactly. But, but to me, so there's something happening there. He's also murdering little old ladies because the tattoo on his arm tells him to. Right. So I, I feel like it, what you're saying would only make sense if the point is that the council doesn't know about those things. And and that's really possible. Um, it's They seem disinterested, mm-hmm. you know, I think. And I, I don't think they – I think the irony is supposed to be sort of for the audience's sake, not that yeah. the gods themselves are deliberately trying to have irony that way. Although they mm-hmm. did that's punish true. the god, right? They imprisoned Amit – for this like proactive preventative uh justice right right? this like punishing people before they did anything um right but yeah i i think i get the sense that i see two possibilities one is that the gods are basically like look it's not uh up to us to meddle we're just the eternals i mean we're just um the (laughs) anyhead exact same thing yeah (laughs) and we're just gonna hang back and that's why we haven't showed up in the mcu before um and you know or or one or more of them are actually plotting to release on it for whatever reason, you know. Um, right. I'm not sure. I didn't catch the entire um, lineup, basically, of gods here. But, like, you know, yeah. if if one happened to be Set, I, I wouldn't trust that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Set was not one of them. No, but me, certainly me too. Osiris the was, go- right? Osiris was... Uh, uh, Horus was the character who until now I would have thought was pronounced Isis. I think they said Isis or something okay. like that was. Uh, and then the, the uh, Hortho, I think her name was, the, the Hathor, goddess of Hethor, yeah, of like love and dancing yeah, and, and, and music. Uh, who I think kind of has a thing with, uh, uh, you know, our, our pigeon-headed god from way back in the day. Yeah. Um, uh, and... I have no idea to trust her. Like, I don't trust her at all in terms of her, like, coming up to Stephen afterwards and being like, oh, hey, here's a little, mm. I'll work with you. 
Right. Um, like, I think she's got... I, I don't think that she's out to outright screw him, but I think she definitely has her own agenda that's probably not going to go well for Mark slash Steven. Yeah, I'm... I don't feel confident that that's the case, but I certainly respect that as a, a reasonable yeah. possibility. <laughs> it it would not hunch, be surprising. Not, it is a hunch, not a uh, confirmed theory. For sure, for sure. In terms of the mental illness thing, I I felt like there were two different things going on, one of which I hated, the other of which I loved. Mm-hmm. And I think they did it intentionally, and I and so I think it's fantastic writing. Okay. Uh, but I'm not sure, and I kind of want to hear from other people's thoughts on it as well, including yours. Because um, on the one hand, you're right. Um, there's definitely, especially with mental illness, especially with mental illness that can sometimes affect your perceptions in ways where, like, when you're really not doing well, you know, a lot of paranoia can happen or a lot of sort of, like, cast- catastrophizing or things where, like, your perceptions of reality not like a hallucination way, but clear like you are not perceiving reality in the most clear way. And not for everybody. I speak very much here for myself. And I think it makes sense that some people would find it hard to trust you, but because of the lack, because of all the stigma, mental illness and lack of understanding of like, that's not how someone is all the time. That definitely can be very gaslighting in a way, or can definitely be very like, not gaslighting, but like it, it, it are kind of like people treat you as the person who cried wolf, you know? Right. And that sucks, and that's terrible, and I, I hated Harrow using that. Um, but I also could see the fact that it was effective. was like, yeah, this sucks, but this happens. And I kind of was glad to see it. It's like, it's like, like that's not representation, but it kind of is in terms of like, yeah, here's a way that like we get screwed by this part of our society. But the other part of what he was saying was he was uh, – I, I keep wanting to say Ke- Kefnet. Is that the Ravenhead god's name? The you mean um, oh jeez, no. You mean the 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 main Conchu? Con, thank you. Okay, Ed. yeah. Where'd I get Kefnut? Uh, uh, there is a Tefnut is a god, but yeah. Um, but anyway, um, but with Conchu, but the the other, but the other part of what Harrow is saying is saying like, look, Conchu is. He sort of wants to mark Stephen to acknowledge that they're unwell as a way of showing that Conchu is like, it's like, I don't know what the exact rules are about like who you can take as an avatar, but it seems like there's this idea of like an avatar should have some level of consent, you know, uh, uh, willingness in this, and that Mark Stephen being unwell means that like, this isn't a that this isn't a that this is a situation where Conchu is taking advantage of uh, Mark. I'm just gonna call him Mark because I think that's who most relates with. But you know, Mark Steven. Yeah. Mark yeah well, uh, Conchu's deal is with Mark. I think. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and like in that regard, like if Conchu sought out Mark in part because of Mark going through DID or whatever Mark's going through, and that made him more vulnerable, or that made him like, oh, no one will ever believe him because he's you know gonna get misbelieved by everyone already like that's a pretty horrible thing conchu's doing and harrow is right to point that out so so yeah i was i was very conflicted in that scene and i i part of me wishes that they had just made it clear that it was one or the other but part of me actually kind of loves that they they mixed the two yeah i thought that scene was really powerful um i thought it was unpleasant Mm -hmm. but you know unpleasant in a powerful way and i i do you know, it's hard when, when there's things that are like 
bad in our world, right? And it's like, you want to have some level of representation and you want to represent the things that people go through, right? right? Not even just because of whatever's going on with themselves, but because of the way society treats people based on uh, whatever, yeah. you know, identity someone has. But like, I think, I think as a writer, you want to avoid portray like having that be the only aspect of mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? Um, and I, I feel like they're doing more than just that. So, you know, yeah, I, I, it, it felt earned to me right. in that regard. You know, it, it, this felt like, you know, kind of to put it kind of you're talking about, like you've made enough jokes about other people being dumb about veganism that having one joke at the vegans expense is, is okay. You know, uh, especially because it, 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 it it didn't feel like we were made to look down on Mark. It, it to me it was more like I feel like now if I'm trying to explain this when I've had the situation in my life, I can say to someone, mm. "Hey, you remember like what happened with Mark and Conchu? That's kind of like what I went through." Right. Um. Which which to me is exactly what representation should do. You know, even when it's the hard stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, you know, I I. Overall, I, I liked that, you know, and I, I would understand if somebody's like, hey, I've been there too many times. I don't I don't want to yeah. see that. Right. And sure. Yeah, to be, I'm not by any means going to speak for all mentally ill folk. And, and I totally respect someone else or many other people who are like, no, nah, we don't need to see that. Please yeah. take that off, you know. Um, and actually to circling back to, to Jordan's question from earlier, um, you know, if Conchu sought specifically sought out Mark because of all this, he kind of did something, you know, in a way that he couldn't necessarily get full consent or didn't bother to get full consent, right? Yeah. In the in the way that, you know, because in the way that you could with, with somebody who, who wasn't dealing with, you know, with... Yeah, like, to me, it's like hitting on someone who's drunk, you know, or something like that. It's right. Like you're, you're, or you're, you can't, and I, again, there, I... Here's where more I want to do research, because I think there's often, there can be an assumption that, pe like... This is more with like de de uh, developmental disabilities. There used to be this basic perception that like people with developmental dis disabilities just had to be sexless because they couldn't consent. Right. Um, that's changed quite a lot, although some people still hold some of those ideas. Yeah. And I, I certainly don't want to put in a position where it's like because this person has DID, they can't consent to, you know, all sorts of different things. Um, but yeah, I, I think the idea that 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 can't you recognize that this person would not have the ability to say no the way someone else would in quite the same way even if it has nothing to do with mental illness i mean just like yeah. oh hey you own a debt and i'm going to exploit you because of that like that's not consent you know right yeah so yeah what else what else from this episode uh kind of jumped out at you well right in the beginning Right. When they, they kind of establish Layla a little more. Right. We get some actual kind of alone time with her, just seeing what her world is like with, I think, her mom. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that was her mom um, making the passport for her. Um, Wait, her mom? In the beginning. You don't think that was her mom? I thought that was the implication. Oh, I didn't think that person was female. I thought that was a male person. Oh, Maybe. I didn't think so. I I had the impression that that was like an old family friend. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, whoever that was, that was the, the Mira Sorvino character to um, uh, Layla's Chow Yun-Fat. Um, 
from the replacement killers the the whole making the passport uh oh yeah okay anyway but um fun scene anyway um yeah the the you know when she's talking about returning artifacts that have been stolen already yeah you know i think um that i think was it was an important thing to include here especially since we started at the british museum which is you know by many people's designations the you know uh, you know, highest uh, support the has the which, <laughs> you almost said suppository, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> which has, as many people would define it, uh, the highest the the highest number of stolen artifacts, stolen items anywhere in the world. Right. <laughs> um, took me way too long to figure out how to say that sentence. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it was definitely nice to have that kind of like, yeah, no, it, it's. Like I've seen some ideas of like what a modern day Indiana Jones movie should be, and, mm-hmm. and the idea being that it should be like his granddaughter, you know, all the stuff where he was like, "This shit belongs in a museum," and being like, "No, Grandpa, it belongs back where it was." Right, you know? right. Like, and and granted, Indy was always saying like it should be a museum instead of like this, you know, rich French guy who works with the Nazis' collection. But the idea that it should just maybe stay in that cave in South America just doesn't really occur to him. Right, exactly. It's like, what? <laughs> I'm an archaeologist. That means I go and take things from places. Definitely. And bring them back to where I live. Um, yeah, there, there was a, a great Indiana Jones moment, I thought, where the where Mark is fighting all the guys with the knives. And that one guy, like, licks his knife. And which I've, I've seen enough of people like licking their swords or whatever. And it's like, what are you doing? And then Mark just like punches him in the face repeatedly while he's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there you go. And it was a lot like the guy swinging the sword around and then just Indy just shooting him because Harrison right. Ford was sick that day. Yeah. <laughs> sick, hungover. Depends on which whatever story, it story is, you whatever. hear. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one thing I wanted to point out, this is less an ethical question as much as just kind of a... Um, uh, overall continuity question i have been i realized like until they briefly mentioned uh maripore madripore uh, am I pronouncing yeah. that right madripore there had been nothing in like this did not have to be an mcu show it was completely disconnected from everything in the mcu yeah uh there's a couple again blink if you miss it like apparently on some of the buses uh driving around london there are ads for the Repatriation Council, which is the group those are oh, involved okay, in yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, so yeah, it's like them. in that time period. But here's my thing. And this is something you and I have brought up again and again, is that we love these kind of we love the stories that are kind of low level and are focused on one individual character, with the idea being like, yeah, why would the Avengers care, you know, about like this guy named Vulture selling weapons and whatever. Right. I kind of think though. That when there's an eclipse of the sun that no one was expecting, (laughs) and then the stars turn back to a day thousands of years ago, someone in the, you know, sorcerer's house on Bleecker Street or, like, Thor or, you know, someone's going to be like, that's odd. Maybe maybe we should check that out. Maybe we should look into that. Um Jane Foster, maybe. Like. Jane, yeah, like, you know, and granted, like, you know, Jane Foster is going to be off. She's got her own movie coming out, so something's happening with her right now. Who knows? Captain Marvel's doing off Captain Marvel things. But, like, these are the moments where the, where the idea that this is a story that no one else in the universe is noticing, even though we know there's all these super powerful people, 
for me, it starts to bend credulity. Yeah. Yeah. To me, to me, that's where the, you know, the MCU kind of strains under its own weight, where the yeah. bigger it gets, the harder it is to believe that these things all actually are taking place in the same um, universe or multiverse, right. I guess. But I don't care. I, I respect the, the, the feeling and the reaction. And I, I share it in a lot of ways. But I feel like, for me, I'm just like, yeah, they mentioned Madripoor. I'm like, oh, right, this is the MCU, whatever. Like, right. I, I do think it would have been brilliant to have, like, a post credit scene. Like, sort of like the Avengers in the, you know, the shawarma shop type thing. Oh, where yeah. there's someone's just like, what the, you know? And it's like, they, there isn't necessarily much of a payoff. But just, it's like, you see that, like, yeah, there's these global events and there's these characters reacting to them in some sort of way. It's not necessarily the thing where they're going to have any means of actually figuring out what happened. Right. right. But like just seeing some of the characters that, you know, exist in the same universe reacting to it, I think would have been great. You know? Yeah. Like Doctor Strange and Wong, you know, one of them noticing the other being like, no, no, no. Reality is falling apart at the seams. We don't care about it. Right. We've got a multiverse <laughs> to save or destroy yeah. or whatever they're going to do. I don't know. And I, I think I think you're right. I think on some level, if they hadn't said the word Madripoor, I wouldn't have cared in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. Be like. Yeah, okay, I, this is not really an MCU show. It's just a cool show, and I'm here for it. Yeah. The fact, the fa the fact that I know at some point it is going to tie back into the larger MCU is where it starts to be like, okay, well, if it does, then you have to do it in a way that makes sense, and this doesn't make sense. But I've now talked about it for three minutes, and that's that. <clears throat> it didn't take away my enjoyment of the show. I wanted to make the point. We can now move on with our Yeah, lives. it's a very reasonable peeve. I will certainly <laughs> grant that. <laughs> but it is not the first nor the last no, to come up no, in the MCU. Not. And it is hardly the most grievous. <laughs> um, so what do you think of... Uh, uh, and this may kind of be a good place to wrap up. Like, what do you think of Khonshu as a character? Because the first couple episodes, it really seemed like he was just... Like, this was just an ego battle between two gods about which one was right. And we were sort of saying by the end of the last episode, like, okay, Amit doesn't seem great, but Kanchu doesn't seem great either. Here, Kanchu is still treating people pretty badly, but now we have a more of an idea of why Amit raising is really bad. And Kanchu is clearly willing to, like, put himself in danger mm. yeah. so that Amit can be stopped. Um... How does that – is this still just because it's all Conchu's ego? Does do you, do you, did this change your view of his character at all? Uh, I mean, I feel like we have a little bit – a significantly clearer idea what's going on. I, I do think the sort of self-sacrifice of being like, yeah, if they imprison me, they imprison me, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, we need to do this sort of makes me buy that it's less of a, an ego trip. Uh, I, I never really saw it that way as much as just like – Seems like someone who specifically believes in something like a particular manner of justice and is a a tool, like, you know, like is just like not a very nice God, but mm -hmm. like has an idea of what, um you know, what he thinks right and wrong is. And somebody else has their own idea and they're just, you know, they're conflicting viewpoints, one of which I disagree with more than the other. But for me, mm -hmm. it feels, it still feels like sort of like bad and worse. You yeah. know, like Kanchu doesn't seem like the, the good guy. Kanchu seems like the less bad guy, basically. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a good way to put it. And I think yeah, it's I think Kanchu definitely thinks he's doing the right thing. I think you know, like anyone with great amounts of power, when you think you are using your power to do good and you think that anyone who's getting in your way is stopping you from doing good, it becomes possible to justify almost anything because you're doing good, right. you know, and that's a real problem. Yeah. I also think there there may be an interesting parallel here of Conchu has been yelling and screaming about this for a while, and it seems like maybe he's also the like maybe he's mm. not totally stable about the situation or or even if it's for totally different reasons, he's also kind of the god who cried wolf to the other god. Like right. The gods are just kinda like, Oh, it's Conchu going on about Amin again. And like, you know, we know that he's right, but we kind of the fact to me, I wonder if maybe that is a li- that might be a more defensible reason why Conchu picked Mark is because Conchu sort of like sees himself in Mark sure. in terms of the like people don't believe us. This guy's going to get me. I'm going to get him. Yeah. I mean, you know, the idea of an avatar, right, is like someone who represents you in like in body and deed, I think. I mean, right. my understanding from like. Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, like that's yeah. where, where it originated. That's where I first heard the term Avatar, I think. But like, it, it it is clearly not someone tied to the one of the four seasons and or the or the four directions and or the four elements, and it is clearly not a large blue cat like person. Right. So those two definitions of Avatar are off the table. Yeah. This this is the more kind of like it. It is the living embodiment of a god on Earth. Right. Um. But, like, specifically through sort of some sort of possession slash endowment with one's powers. Right. Right. And it's interesting because we certainly saw a lot of that. Like, I felt like the way Mark was fighting did not quite match what I would have expected from the kind of, like, they were hard fights. And he was winning the fights, but he wasn't, like, what we saw... In, in the first couple of episodes was like Mark surrounded by, a pe- you know, Steven surrounded by a pe- bunch of people with guns. And then 20 seconds later, Steven surrounded by a bunch of dead bodies. Right. And like, I felt like we weren't getting Mark fighting on that level. And maybe that's just because it's hard to convey, or maybe it is because of that third personality. But certainly we were showing, we showed that like Mark was stabbed through the torso with numerous like spears. <laughs> Repeatedly. He went and all boring like, here in this episode. Yeah, I was just like, all right, that's a scratch in my life. I'll just yeah. sew that up. Like, Yeah, I'll just literally impale other people on my pincushion, you know, <laughs> lances stuck through my body, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and um, Kanshu did refer to it as uh, my healing armor or something, right? Or my healing right, suit, yeah. right? So. Um, so clearly they, they gave us that ahead of time so that when we saw that, we would not be like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. We're like, oh, yeah, that's they said that before. So that totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, I think that's about all I had to say about the episode. Any other last comments you wanted to make? Yeah, I wanted to circle back to something we were talking about in the first episode, which was in terms of representation, um, you know, Egyptian representation. And you know, in this episode, we learn that Mark is not Egyptian, right? It's right. pointedly so that that the, he's not trusted because he's not Egyptian, um, whereas Layla is, and right. she is portrayed by an actress of Egyptian descent, um, May Kalamawi, um, mm-hmm. 
and apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. And the director, uh, Mohammed Diab or Diab, um, who I think directs like five episodes I've seen credited or something. But uh, mm-hmm. he, he's a well-known Egyptian director. And right. so I think having that Egyptian representation, I think, is great, you know. And yeah. I, I think especially given, you know, how heavily um, based it is on Egyptian mythology, you know, I think, I think that's, that's important. So I'm glad that we saw that, you know, that that's the case, you know, it's, there's, there's the whole thing about Mark and, and being Jewish, but not really being portrayed that way that much. And that would be nice to maybe get a little bit more out of that as well. But yeah, no, I I agree with you. And I I think, with Edred especially, I, I had a partner who was Egyptian, and, and so this is something she would comment on a lot. There's an additional le- level of complication in that, you know, the, the, the population of modern-day Egypt largely stems from mass Arab immigration that happened with the spread of Islam, mm. like, centuries and centuries after this. And so, like, I was glad they specifically pointed out that the, the language of sort of ancient Egypt is Coptic, right. and not Arabic, yeah. and that the 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 sort of like so the, the I don't know much about the sort of anthropology here, but yeah, like the the people who are in Egypt now are not necessarily like the people who were like the ancient Egyptian, but yeah, certainly like it's so much of it's set in Egypt. That's that that's the connection. I think that is a level of complication that it's very hard to sort of like bring into a show like this. Mm-hmm. So yes, having that like there is no Coptic representation to have. So this is definitely the representation to have, and I think it's it's it feels very fitting. Yeah. You know, I do I wonder whether Ethan Hawke butchered Arabic as badly as Mandarin, but oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I love having all of these languages represented in fiction. I just it, it would just be nice if like it, it, when there's one line or two lines, it's like, come on, can't we just like get like yeah. spend some hours and just nail it, you know? Yeah, or or even just like. He is so proud of himself and of this great community. Yeah. And I kind of love the idea if it's basically the community is a bunch of people who have been doing 20 minutes of Duolingo <laughs> right, every right, day right. for like five years. And yeah. so, yeah, they know some, but their pronunciation is pretty bad. Right. Like, I would be fine with that if it's, it fits the characters. Sure. Um, if so that were – if there was like some shade cast at him, it's like, what was it? Oh, that was Mandarin? Like what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like like you said, it sounded like that wasn't it. It just sounded like it was just writers who didn't understand right, what that right. was supposed to be. So, Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, Paul, you want to talk quickly about what you're doing with poker these days? Yeah. I've got a YouTube channel, Zen Madman Poker on YouTube. That's where YouTube channels are. I'm making a lot of videos. Finally got up to 100 subscribers. I need 1,000 to get monetized. So I'm looking towards that. And um, on the way. 10% I'm, on the way. We're building. Yeah. I'm trying to create content that is both accessible to people who don't know a ton about poker, but also um, informative for people who are quite experienced. And I put a lot of Mephisto references in yeah. my videos. <laughs> <laughs> and and sometimes some other random Marvel episodes. I think the other one had like a Hulk reference and another mm-hmm. one. I forget what it was. but And, and I, I will say in both cases, the Mephisto references have been earned. I appreciate uh, there, that. There, there were things that occurred in the game that were out of your control that was like, yep, yep this is this is Mephisto. So yeah, it, it's definitely worth checking out. I know some poker. I'm by no means the level Paul is. I'm able to follow along. 
I know other people who are not even into poker at all have just been able to enjoy it. I've, I've been sharing it with some friends who are really liking it. So definitely check out all the things Paul's doing. And other check out, if you want to see the other podcasts I'm doing, check out it all on theethicalpanda.com. Uh, we just did an episode uh, of Star Wars Rebels or that is going to come out uh, uh, later this week about Twilight of the Apprentice, which is just some of the so I, I think good i think one of the like one of the best hours of star wars media of, of any form and certainly some of the absolute best of episodes of television yeah i would um, just say media like yeah it's one of the best things i've seen anywhere yeah definitely yeah that, that's what i said like one of the best of any kind of star wars medium um uh yeah so definitely that that'll come out probably thursday uh this will hopefully come out uh on wednesday uh depends on how awake i stay while i try to edit it <laughs> Um, we'll see, but thank, uh, definitely. And that's also where you can send in feedback. Uh, as you heard, we love Jordan's question. We'd love to hear more. Let us know what you think. Uh, where are you on this? Um, would love any, you know, if you have perspectives on mental illness, perspectives on, uh, Egyptian gods, perspective, just what you love about the show, what you don't like about the show, what you think about what we're saying, let us know. Uh, find all of that on the ethical, the ethical panda.com. I'm gonna have myself, Paul. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Bye. Bye. <laughs>